խաչի պատմությունը ավետարանի ամենակարևոր պատկամն ու պատմությունն է The story of Jesus and the cross is the most important story in the whole of the Bible. Ենքան կարևոր է որ սուրբքի անունը միատանուներից որոնից է որ արյան քիչ է կոչվել Uh, it's so important the bible is is sometimes called the book of blood and just in the new testament alone the new testament mentions the cross 175 times i don't think any other subject is mentioned so frequently in the bible It's an extremely important and significant subject. Even in eternity, we'll be remembering the cross of Christ. And we'll be praising God in eternity for the blood of the Lamb. And it's a huge, huge honor for us, a huge honor for us that Jesus went to die on Good Friday. On Friday when we come together, we want to contemplate who was Jesus, who is Jesus, and what did he do for us on the cross. What did Jesus do? grant us when he died on the cross. Firstly, we can say that Jesus, who was uh, God's holy one, became sin. That through him we might gain God's righteousness. This is what God's word says. He became sin for us that we might gain God's righteousness. From head to foot, he became sin completely. He, he took all our filth and all our sin onto him. He took all our pride onto him. All our jealousy and envy. All of, our, all of our desires for revenge. All of our lies and all of our hatred. And whatever sin we've committed or man has committed was taken onto Jesus. Past sins, present sins, and future sins. This is something that's incomprehensible for us. It's beyond our understanding. He didn't become guilty alone. He became sin. God's word tells us that he took our sins onto himself. On the last night, on his last night on earth, he prayed, God, if it is your will, take this cup from me. He prayed that prayer three times. He knew what that cup contained. And that's why he asked God, take this cup from me. Because he saw in that cup all of our sin. 
and he saw how painful that cup would be for him. He became sin for us that we might become holy that God's righteousness might enter our lives. It's an incredible thing that God did. During the French Revolution, they killed many people that belonged to the house of the king. <coughs> and they, they destroyed many people from the royal household. There was a young person in the palace which they were meant to kill. And the, his father came to visit him in prison. And he asked, before you, uh, before you kill my son, can I spend some time with him? They allowed him to visit his son. And he spent a few hours with him. Uh, the, the son fell asleep in his father's arms. When they called the names, when they called the names of those who were meant to be guillotined, the father stood up and said, I am he. And he told the other people, he said, when my son wakes up, tell him that his father died in his place. And that he's free. Because your name has been deleted. And that's what happened. If these things can happen in history, imagine how, how amazing and how immense God's love is. He was willing to take our sin and in return give us salvation. On the cross, Jesus didn't just become sin. He became a curse. And he took our curse onto himself. That instead of a curse, we might receive blessing. That's in Galatians 3, chapter 3, verse 13. God took our curse onto himself. The Bible tells us that one of the consequences of sin is a curse that we have, that we bear. And we live in a world that is cursed. And we see how many curses are in people's lives. A curse of fear. Curse of illness. Curse of failure. Curse of confusion. Curse of disappointment. All of these things are curses. They are not blessings. But Jesus took all curses onto himself. When man sinned, God not only cursed Adam, he cursed, uh, he cursed Eve as well. He cursed the snake. And he cursed nature. And he said, the earth will be cursed. And only thorns will come forth from the earth. 
And Jesus took the cursed thorns and wore them as a as a as a as a crown on his head. He put the crown of thorns on his head. In order that we might receive the crown of glory. Each of those thorns was perhaps the size of one of my fingers, and they they penetrated his head. The Bible says, "Cursed is the man who is hung on a tree." And whoever was stood before the cross and was looking on the cross would, would swear and curse at the person hung there. They only crucified the, the most wicked of prisoners, murderers, terrorists, the worst kinds of bandits and thieves. Those who oppose the government and, and uh, would do so in a very um, in a very violent manner. In the Roman Empire, the most severe punishment that could be given to anyone was crucifixion. And it was the it was the form of death which caused the greatest suffering. But Jesus Christ, as the blessed one of God. He was the source of all blessing. He is the Lord of all blessing. He became the most cursed of men. People would spit on him. They would shake their heads at him. And they would hide their faces from him. He took that curse on himself. That instead we might receive blessing. Praise the Lord. The pain that Jesus went through is immense, but the joy it gives us is huge. The Bible tells us that not only did Jesus become sin, that we might have salvation, not only did he become a curse, that he might give us blessing, the Bible tells us that Jesus left his heavenly riches and became poor on the cross that through him we might leave behind our spiritual poverty and become rich. <coughs> he left the glory of heaven and he left the, the majesty of heaven. And he left all the blessings associated with his with his position as king in heaven. And on the cross he hung there as someone poor, broken, naked. That through his poverty on the cross, he might be able to make us rich. And we're glad today that we can leave our poverty. Because he took our poverty, he took our shame. A while ago, something happened in Australia, which the newspapers reported. I don't know if you've heard about it. There was a 
Uh, a boy committed a very bad crime and the, the police uh, stopped him, arrested him. And he was meant to serve a long sentence in prison. And he had to pay a huge debt as well. When he came to court, he saw that the judge presiding over the matter was his father. He looked at his father wearing the judge's robes. And he said, Dad, oh, I'm so lucky that you're the judge. I'm sure that you'll forgive me. I'm sure you'll have mercy on me. You're my father after all. You won't leave me to suffer with such a long sentence. But his father was extremely serious. And he stood on the side of justice. And he said, bring the law books. Let's see what the law says. And, and he said to his son, you stay silent. Today I'm not your father. I'm a judge. And he wasn't moved by all of his son's pleas. And he, he controlled his emotion. And he, he acted as a righteous judge. He, whatever the law said, that's what he implemented. The sentence was extremely severe. And the judge handed down a very strong sentence. Life in prison. Many years in prison. This is a true story. It happened in Australia. And he also had to pay um, a large amount of money as part of yeah. his sentence. The boy pleaded and cried, but the judge wouldn't change his mind. He either had to pay that amount of money or sit in prison for years. Once the, the hearing was over, the judge came out of the courtroom. He took off his robes. He took off his judge's robes. And he took out his checkbook. And he paid the fine that his son was meant to pay. So he was a judge, but when he came out, he acted as father. Justice prevailed, but also love was shown. As a judge, he, he handed down his judgment on his son. But as a father, he was compassionate and merciful to his son. And he paid the debt in his son's place. He was a rich man. But he impoverished himself that his son might be released from that punishment. This is a very small example of what Jesus has done for us. The fourth thing, Jesus was the most beautiful in heaven. But for us, he became ugly. He became extremely ugly. He became repulsive to us. So repulsive that no one wanted to look at him. That he might give us a heavenly beauty. Jesus said, uh, Isaiah said about him. 
in Isaiah 53, the second part of verse 2 says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Uh, verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. When people looked at Jesus on the cross, they didn't see anything that was of physical beauty that would attract them. And people would say, this person who's been crushed, who's so repulsive, who, who looks a complete state, this is someone who wants to give salvation? He can't even save himself on the cross. How is he going to save us? He's, he's nothing more than a worm. He's, some, he's something that you can crush under your foot. How will he save anyone? How can someone who so easily gave up all of his beauty, all of his power, all of his glory, how can someone so repulsive be someone who saves us? The, the true significance of the cross is so disgusting, it's so heavy that words cannot really describe it. And I'm forced to give examples from everyday life to get the message across. A, a small child was born into a family where he was taken very good care of and he lived a very uh, a life of great comfort. Uh, but something happened in the family and, and the mother of that child had burned her hands very severely. And the mother's hands were so badly uh, scarred that uh, they were swollen, uh, they would secrete pus and blood, and the, and the doctors couldn't do anything about it. And the burning had gone extremely deep. And the, the child had seen his mother in that state from, from childhood. So for him, it was a normal type of thing. But when he went to school, on his first birthday, 
while he was at school, he called his friends. And his friends came to the house, the birthday cake was on the table. And suddenly his school friends saw his mother's hands. And they felt really bad. Because they were children, they couldn't control what they said. And they said, oh, the hands are so ugly. Your mother's made this cake with those ugly hands. We can't eat that cake. My mother has really beautiful hands. Your mother's hands are disgusting. How can you even look at those hands? That boy was really upset on his birthday. And he had a really miserable night. All the friends went home. And when they went home, the boy felt his pain. He went to his mother and said, what type of hands do you have? I hate your hands. I understand they're right. Your hands are disgusting. They're really ugly. The mother's heart was broken. The next day, the, the son brought a pair of gloves to his mother and said, wear these gloves so I, so I don't see your hands. And the mother's heart was even more broken. A few days later, the boy realized his mistake. He came to his mom and said, Mom, I'm sorry for speaking with you the way I did. But I have a question for you. What happened that your hands became so deformed? Were you like that from birth? The mother said, you don't need to know what happened. But the boy forced her to say. And the mother eventually decided to tell him. The mother said, when you were a small child, just a few months old, the house, uh, the house, um, there was a fire in the house. And you were trapped in the fire, and before they could put the fire out, you were going to die. I rushed into the house, I reached into the flames, and I saved you from the flames. And not even one hair on your head was burned. I didn't want the flames to touch your body. But this is what happened to my hands in the process. And no medicine could help me. So what do you think happened next? The boy started to cry. He came on his knees before his mother. He started to kiss his mother's hands. And he said, these hands are the most beautiful hands in the world. No one has hands like yours. I'm proud of your hands. You don't need to put any gloves on. I want you to hug me with those hands. Because those hands say, me. I'll tell my friends about your hands. I'll tell them what happened. I won't be ashamed of your hands. Because you gave your hands to save my life. 
These are small, small examples of what Jesus has done for us. But if a mother can do that for us, how much more can God do for us? He paid, he paid such a huge price to make us beautiful. He took shame onto himself that we might be shaved behind. He became naked on the cross that our nakedness might be covered. He became thirsty on the cross that our thirst might be quenched. He paid such a high price. But Jesus did something else on the cross. He became sick on our behalf. That by his scars we might be healed. The same, the same is written in Isaiah. In Isaiah 53 verse 5 it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. On the cross, Jesus was completely in a state of pain. Uh, psychological pain. Uh, intellectual pain. Physical pain. Spiritual pain. Every type of pain was on him. Not just physical pain. As we see, he suffered great physical pain, like we saw in the, in the film, The Passion of the Christ. His whole body was beaten. Every part of his body was a wound. And his nail, the nails drove through his arms and his feet. He became the person who had, who had suffered most in the whole world. Why did he have to take so much pain? Because the Bible tells us he took our pain onto himself. Jesus took our pain onto himself. That by his wounds we might be healed. So we need to have great faith and healing today. Because the price for healing has been paid and guaranteed already. A couple of weeks ago, I, I met with the leaders of the cell groups in Iran. And uh, last week, I told some of you about what happened. What happened has really caused quite a stir in the city. Which city? The city of Mashhad. Which is an extremely religious city. Several million people live in Mashhad. It's one of the biggest cities in Iran. So what happened in Mashhad? It took place about a month ago. Several 
a member of the secret police who had a very high rank with his wife in a very expensive car they came to the house where uh, the son-in-law of uh, Brother Divaj lives for a cell group meeting. And the, the car was extremely expensive. It was a, a special bulletproof car. He was a person of really high rank. And uh, he said, come and, come and sit with us. He called the people in the cell group and, said, and he said, come, come follow us. They said, what have we done? Where are you taking us? They said, don't say anything, just sit in the car. And they went. They couldn't say anything, they had to obey. On the way in the car, they said, where are you taking us? They said, don't be scared, nothing's going to happen to you. And they take the people from the cell group to their home. It's an extremely luxurious house, like a palace. They were rich, they're a rich couple. There was an eight-year-old child in their home. When they saw the child, they asked, what's wrong with her? And the parents said, since her birth, she has been disabled. And we've taken her to all of the, the leaders of the Islamic faith. And no one's been able to help her. But once we saw a satellite program uh, about the Christian faith in, in Persian. And the preacher said that Jesus can heal even today. And the preacher said in that program that Jesus took our sickness onto himself on the cross. And he has allowed for healing. And he's alive today to heal. We called the producers of that satellite TV show in America. And they, they uh, brought us to faith. And we gave our lives to Jesus. And, we, and they prayed for our daughter. With my wife together, we came on our knees and we prayed for Jesus. The Lord would heal our daughter. When the prayer finished, when I opened my eyes, I saw that my daughter was on her knees too, praying to God. So we called the producers of the show again. And we said, we, we have our answer. Our daughter was healed. What should we do now? And they said, go to such and such a church, a cell group in your city, and tell them what happened. Sorry, go to a church in the city. We say, well, we, we can't go to that church because we've, we've shut down all the churches in Mashhad. And so they gave them the address of the cell group. They went to the home where the cell group took place. They, they brought them to the, to the house and gave them a Bible. 
And they said, go and tell everyone. But don't expect us to come to your cell group. But we can't come because we have senior uh, rankings. But uh, of all of our hearts, we believe in Jesus. And we are his secret followers. One week ago, one of our sisters from Mashhad came. Uh, the mother of Parvan there, maybe you know her. And that lady said, I'd been to Mashhad and the whole city was talking about this miracle. That Jesus had done this. And it's, the miracle took place in a city where one of the, one of the uh, highest religious leaders of the Islamic faith is buried. <laughs> when we become disillusioned, Jesus does miracles such <laughs> as these <laughs> to remind us that he still does miracles. Hallelujah. The same thing can happen in England. Hallelujah. Over the past few weeks, here in this church and in the Finchley church, we've heard of miracles that have taken place. And this morning, again, we heard another testimony of a healing. Jesus can do the same in our lives. He became sick and he took his sickness, our sickness onto himself. <coughs> the last thing I want to share. On the cross, Jesus was separated from his father that we might become close to the father. The, the hardest thing that Jesus said on the cross, what do you think it was? Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? The worst suffering that Jesus took on himself was separation from the Father. Everyone had left him. His relatives had left him. Peter had denied him. Judas had betrayed him. He was forced to hand his mother over to John. There was no one left to comfort Jesus on the cross. Everyone had left him. He was completely abandoned. Completely on his own. But the worst thing for Jesus, his father in heaven who was always with him, who was inside him, left him. Father. He said, oh God. He didn't say father, he said God. He used to always say father. But only once has he said, oh God. Because at that time, already God was, not, was no longer his father. The relationship of father and son between them had been cut temporarily. Because God the Father could not look on sin. He could not look upon sin. Even the son was embarrassed to look upon him. 
In the middle of the afternoon, a horrible darkness fell upon the whole of the land, so dark that people couldn't see each other's faces. Why did it happen like that? Because Jesus completely became sin, became filth, and the holy God in heaven could not look upon him. But when he proclaimed on the cross, it is finished, once again he was able to say, Father, I commit my spirit to you. When he said it is finished, do you know what happened? The curtain in the temple was torn completely in two. And the curtain of the Holy and ho- of Holies was, was opened. The Holy God in heaven tore that curtain. And through the blood of Jesus, each of us can enter the Holy of Holies and enter the presence of God. Jesus became separated from God that we might be able to access him. What a huge price he paid. If we had time, we could talk for hours about what Jesus did on the cross. But let's praise God for what we've heard today. Let's not forget. He became sin for us that we might become holy. He became a curse that we might be released from a curse. He became poor for us that we might be rich in spirit. He became ugly for us that we might experience the beauty of heaven. He became sickness for us that we might receive healing. He became separated from the Father that we might become close to the Father. What a huge price to pay. Can we stand on our feet? and give praise to God for what he did, for what Jesus did on the cross, that each of us give thanks to Jesus. Let us meditate and contemplate on what Jesus did. What a huge price you have paid for us, Lord. What a huge sacrifice you made for us, Lord. What a glorious table you have you prepared for us, Lord. Hallelujah. Let us open our hearts to God and give praise to Him.
As we sing this song, we'll prepare for Holy Communion. The, the song says, Jesus says, I love you, I died in your place. We can sing it without music, but with all of our hearts. Hallelujah, Jesus Neretz Mechkeras. Hallelujah, Jesus Neretz Mechkeras. Jesus Neretz Mechkeras. The Vetsnaeans Minorkan. Jesus Neretz Mechkeras. We want to take part in Holy Communion. I think I've already explained already in some detail why we celebrate Communion. So let us prepare ourselves. And let us remember that with this table, we remember the death of Jesus. Not just the death of Jesus, but we remember that he's coming back. Because he said, whenever you do this, do this until I return. Through this table, we also remember something else. We remember the relationship of love. Which we, as members of the body of Christ, should have towards each other. We should love one another. And we shouldn't have any issue, any problem with anyone else. Because when Jesus died on the cross, 
he took hate upon himself. Also, the table reminds us to search and examine our own hearts. So, there's four things we remember when we take communion. We remember the past. We remember 2,000 years ago. What Jesus did on the cross. We remember the future, that Jesus will be coming back. We remember the present by looking at our own heart, our own life. And we look as well to the side to the people who live around us and next to us, our friends, our neighbors, our relatives. What is our relationship like with them, with the members of our family? Who have we not forgiven yet? Who do we have an issue with? Who do we not love? Who do we hate? These are things that the table causes us to remember. And remembering these four things, let's prepare for the Holy Communion table. I'd like to ask you for two minutes in complete silence to pray and to remember those important, four important things and to examine our hearts. If the Lord reveals to you there are sins which you have not confessed yet in your heart, confess them and bring them under the blood of Jesus. The Lord Jesus took bread and broke it. And said, this is my body which is in you. Do this in remembrance of me until I come.
whoever wishes to take part in communion and has repented of their sins can with humility and with respect and honor take part in, in the Lord's table. Take my body and eat, which has been done for your sins. Whoever wishes to take part can stand. <coughs> Let us remain in a spirit of prayer. If any of you would like to pray, uh, feel free to pray short prayers. When you receive the bread, keep it in your hand and we'll partake together. Let us feel free to pray out loud to God. In remembrance of the death of Jesus and remembering the unity he has called us to, let us take the bread together.
Uh, Ruby, could you please pray for the cup and the blood? This is my blood, take it and drink it. This is my blood, which has been spilt for your sins. This cup is the new covenant in my blood between you and the Father. So when we take this cup, let us remember the power of the blood of Jesus. As we partake of the cup together, I would like to make certain statements uh, and confessions about the blood of Jesus, and I'd like you to say Amen along with me. Jesus Christos isul parjunova menk mer mechkeritsa makrveleng. With the blood of Jesus, we have been cleansed from our sins. Amen. Jesus Christos isul parjunova menk artaratseleng. With the holy blood of Jesus, we have been made righteous. With the holy blood of Jesus Christ, we have been freed from judgment. With the holy blood of Jesus Christ, we have been reconciled with God the Father. With the holy blood of Jesus Christ, you have been freed from the curse. With the holy blood of Jesus Christ, you have been made worthy to enter the holy of holies. With the blood, holy blood of Jesus Christ, you have victory over Satan. And finally, with the blood, the holy blood of Jesus Christ, we receive a visa to enter heaven. Amen. Let us give praise to God for Amen. the blood of Jesus. All of us together, let us praise God. Oh, hallelujah. These are all truths which we believe. It's reality. They're beyond our understanding. But they're reality nonetheless. And we accept them in faith. Praise Hallelujah. you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
As we drink uh, from the cup, let us remember the blood and the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll sing the last song together, which is about the blood of Jesus. And may each of us give praise for the blood of Jesus. If any of us is sick, uh, let he or she be assured that there is healing. And you can come forward and we'll pray for you that you might receive healing. 
with simple faith. Եթե ուրիշ մեջ դժվարություն կա, որ վստահեք, եթե աղոթենք ձեր պատասխան կտան, նորից պատրաստենք ձեր համար։ If you are going through some kind of difficulty, we can equally pray for you and uh, God will um, visit you in your difficulty. Եվ հիմա լինի մեր Տեր Հիսուս Քրիստոսի շնորհքը May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all forevermore. Amen. Amen.